Six is Out is the metagame. Do you want to know what the metagame is? It is weaved into all things. Even now in that space between your ears where the sound of my voice bounces and reflects off of seemingly infinite glass nodes of thought and logic, the metagame flows. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work. It is the world that lies beneath. Without knowledge of the metagame, you are a slave. Like everyone else, you were born to believe that there is a barrier between the reality you are capable of perceiving and fiction. Knowledge of the metagame erodes that barrier. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the metagame is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You roll the blue die, the story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to. You roll the red die. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth. Nothing more. Welcome to Sixes Out Entertainment. You guys, uh, uh, Brad, we have uh, Corden, the dwarven paladin of conquest. We have uh, Trevor playing the bard. I believe you're an elf. The the elvish bard, uh, Hannah Aruana. And we have Alex playing the Ganassi monk. I think you're an air Ganassi, right, mm -hmm. Alex? Yep, okay. So uh, all of you together meeting in Baldur's Gate, overcoming the, the devil and murder cults in Baldur's Gate, and meeting a, a spy by the name of Ballister Fisk. Uh, you realize that perhaps there is more to this devil problem than you initially anticipated, and he recommends you seek out Silvira Savikas uh, down south, down the coastway to to Candlekeep. Uh, leaving Baldur's Gate with Ballister Fisk uh, at your side, you guys travel down the coastway over the course of five days, encounter some enemies uh, who are actually, it appears to be after the shield that Corden acquired uh, underneath the Vanthan Pervilla. Uh, it appears to be a magical shield of, of considerable power, able to cast fireballs and, and things like that. And um, it appears that there are uh, other devilish entities within this world uh, seeking out to claim it as well. Um, uh, continuing your journey down the coastway, you guys met a, a, a bard, uh, actually a pair of bards, Bruce Stilthorn and Ayla. Um, and, and they were sort of uh, outside the cloakwood uh, kind of near near closer to the coast off the coastway that you guys were, were going down and, and within this wood they were attempting to refurbish an abandoned opera house uh, that apparently was built in the middle of this forest for, for some bizarre reason and, and, and Rue this sort of half mad bard is, is trying to, to rebuild it to recapture some sort of um, lost uh, fame that this place once had and uh, Hannah was uh, more than happy to, to help them in that endeavor um, in fact, Hannah, in that adventure, learned uh, that there are songs within this world that that have power to them, and, and she learned one specific song, the Song of Sorrow, uh, which, which allows her to negatively affect her enemies if she so chooses. Um, after Rue Stillthorn, you guys made your way down back into Candlekeep, uh, entered the city at the cost of one book, uh, each book collected by the monks, the monks known as the Avowed, in this city, they collect the book and add it to the library. Uh, that's the cost to enter. Once once you enter, you have one 10-day, that's a week consisting of 10 days in this world, and uh, you have 10 days to to explore the city and, and, and check out the library and the things the city has to offer before your license expires and you guys have to have to 
leave the city, essentially. Uh, within this city, you know, through Falister Fisk, that Silvira Savikas is, is, has her own tower within the main keep where she, uh, uh, does research and experiments. Um, Falister promised you that in one day, uh, uh, Silvira will have time to meet with you. In your first day, you guys sort of explored the city, got your bearings, and, and you all ended up meeting at the Hearth, uh, is the name of the tavern, the local tavern. And there, Hannah, uh, actually, uh, did some stage performance and did, did all right. She did quite well. Uh, people were pleased with it, and there was a very jovial atmosphere due to her music. And she actually gained, uh, the respect of the, the owner of the Hearth. Uh, this gentleman, I'm gonna find his name eventually, I can't remember it, but, uh, uh, was impressed and and uh, gave gave uh, a little bit of respect towards Hannah's way, but also uh, revealed that he knew Rue and Rue had passed through the city. Rue Stillthorn, and uh, he he wasn't impressed by Rue at all. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of where you guys are now. Is you're at the Hearth in Candlekeep. Um, uh, Corden had met with with the Order of the Golden Lion, the Paladin Order, uh, uh, which he has connections with. And they are interested in offering him some work as well. And uh, uh, additionally, it's now evening on your first day. In the morning, um, uh, Falister has informed you that, that he would like to meet up to take you to Silvira. And, um, of course, yeah, that's where we are in the tavern. So, um, All right. you, you find yourselves in the Hearth, the most popular tavern of Candlekeep. The tavern has a low ceiling supported by massive wooden crossbeams and narrow shuttered windows. A large fire pit in the middle of the room is surrounded by a half dozen tables and benches. Most of the tables and benches are occupied as it is now late into the evening, although in the tavern is a jolly demeanor, and the guest seems to be polite but subdued. Uh, what would you guys like to do, all sitting together at the tavern? Well, I could use a drink. Back some dinner. Sure. As uh, uh, a serving person approaches the uh, the table, um, they sort of uh, take your orders. Uh, what, what what can I get you today? Big ass glass of mead and uh, whatever meat you got lying around. Oh yes, well, I think we have some fowl of some kind. I'm sure that that and mead, uh, no problem. Well, that's it for me. Cool, and it looks like there's a menu. If you look at the hearth uh, window on, on Roll20, we actually have a menu in there if you're trying to... Trying what? To awesome. Oh, I'm doing the, I'm doing the smoked pheasant. Nice. Uh, one smoked pheasant, of course. Very good. Uh, anything else for any of you? All right, and the serving woman sort of walks away, and as she sort of uh, leaves the table, right behind her, the owner of the tavern, Chadwin his name is, uh, uh, approaches the table and, and gives Hannah Hannah a nod after her performance up on stage. And he says, yeah, not bad, Hannah. You're better than Rue, at least. <laughs> he can play the strings well enough, but his voice is brassy. Not in the good way, you know what I mean? Uh, you seem to have a talent for both. Well done. Thank you, thank you. It's, uh, it's your words are too kind. Listen, Hannah, I know you asked me uh, earlier about uh, any uh, jewelers or gem sellers uh, in the city. Uh, these, these avowed monks, you know, they're, they're not at all about materialistic goods. <laughs> it's actually tough to get anything fancy around here. But um, if you're looking to unload some gems, I got a friend in uh, the Tower of Exaltation. Go, go ask for Aromir. 
and uh, she might be able to buy the gems off you for some research. Just a little tip. All right. All right, Chad can, uh, go ahead, goes ahead and gives you a, gives you a nod, Hannah, and uh, gets back to work. It's kind of busy, so. Um, you guys are all sitting there. It's getting late into the evening. Um, what is it specifically you guys wish to get done, if anything at all? This is immediately after um, when um, Gordon received his um, small request from the Order, right? We kind of just retreated back to the tavern, yeah? Yeah. I I believe, if I recall, Gordon was alone on that, I think. I think you guys had split up, and then you guys reconvened together at the tavern. That is correct. Well, I should probably tell you guys about what's going on then. I'm trying to remember. Mm. I, I have that information for you. Fantastic. <laughs> it's been been a little too long. It's, it's rough trying to recall, I'm, and I'm like trying to write it down, and I'm like I have I have these like madman notes in my book that just don't make any sense. I don't remember what any of it means. Essentially, there there is a the the a priest of Pelor at this small temple. Um, just off of, so yeah, right about here, uh, along the, the southern wall, uh, the southwestern wall, just south of the, of the grove, is a small temple to Pelor, ran by a, a priest by the name of Selenway, and, uh, he, he is a, a half-elf, uh, uh, man, uh, of dark skin, and, and he, he looks always very, very neatly kept, uh, but very friendly and jovial, and, uh, he told you, Gordon, that, He's worried about a couple of his the paladins of the. There's two paladins of this small temple, and they went out uh, on a conquest uh, to to sort of help the avowed of the city take care of some some bandits, uh, some criminals that live out in in the woods, uh, which are known as the the Gold Tooths. That's how they refer to themselves, the Gold Tooth Gang. These dwarven uh, clan of criminals that, that live out in the woods, and uh, uh, those those two paladins of the temple went out to to deal with that real quick and come back. It's been several days, and he hasn't heard from them, which he expressed to you was very strange because they've dealt with bandits before. Two paladins of Torm should be able to handle this. What's going on, right? So uh, that's sort of what what Selenway is concerned about, and and he's offered for you. Uh, to gather up a group of individuals if you need help and, and go out and look for them and, and help them on their crusade against the criminals of the forest. Um, and, and so he offered for you to return to the temple when you're ready uh, to take on that task. So you have the temple, uh, Selenway at the temple. You have uh, some gems and potions at, at the Tower of Exaltation if you wish to go there. And of course, uh, Ballister Fisk is, is expecting to meet you all in the morning. Uh, if he's waiting for us to, uh, waiting for us in the morning, we should probably do it afterwards. I don't know how long that's going to take, so I think we should just rest for the rest of the day, and then, uh, do Fauster's task. Because that seems a little bit more, I don't know if it's important, but I remember we traveled all the way down here to talk with Fauster first. Didn't we just get out of the stay in an inn, though? So, like, we should do a little something. It's been, uh, so you guys, you guys slept your your first. You got to the city in the in the late afternoon. You got to Candlekeep late, mm-hmm. and uh, you you got to the. Uh, it's called the House of Rest. It's the bunkhouse where you guys are staying. You guys stayed the night there, and then that day when you woke up, 
you all split up, explored the city, and uh, reconvened. It's now evening time of that first full day um, at the at the hearth where you guys are currently. Um, so you guys have spent a full day in the city. Let's go to the Tower of Exaltation and we're not going to go on these paladins. I think that's the, the move. Yeah, I don't know if you know, later at night is really the ideal time to head out on that. I agree. Especially if it'll take more than like a day, potentially. Yeah, it sounds like it definitely could. I already have an appointment in the morning, so. All right, so I gather you guys want to want to head back and and rest for the evening. Yeah. I think we want to go to the. Well, I want to go to Where, the tower. Of yeah, what's the tower of exaltation? It's not in Canopy Keep locations. Uh, oh, I thought it was. Um, yes, it's called Exaltation there on the map, number ten. Let me ping it. There it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the and oh. in this tower. It's actually the tallest tower uh, that you've seen in the city. It's like one of the one of the towers that you can see rising up above the rest of the buildings from the ground. Uh, it's one of the tallest buildings. Um, and uh, uh, sort of Chadwin relays that information to you, Hannah, as he explains to you. Um, a little bit about exaltation. Actually, let me let me open that window for you guys. All right. Historians believe exaltation, the tallest tower that dominates Candlekeep's skyline, is responsible for the preservation and continued existence of the Library Fortress through the ages. It is said that the first uh, gate warden of the Avowed oversaw the construction of exaltation prior to the development of Candlekeep's current defensive walls upon its completion. Exaltation was and continues to be lauded as one of the most sophisticated defensive fortresses ever constructed in Faerun. For centuries, Exaltation served as a deterrent against the capable militaries and warlords desiring to raid Candlekeep's priceless artifacts and reservoir of knowledge. Exaltation is rumored to be the reason Candlekeep became known as the Castle of Tomes. Today, Exaltation houses the barracks utilized by the Avowed's acolytes and defensive forces, as well as a library dedicated to the study of warfare. In addition, many of the rooms in Exaltation serve as spellcasting or alchemical chambers for volatile experiments. Powerful magical enchantments allow each room to manifest into its own unique habitat. This allows magic users and researchers to conduct their experiments in any type of environment they can imagine. A few select rooms serve as stables for aerial steeds, allowing discreet entry for friends of Candlekeep visiting the library fortress. Um, and so Chadwin, a, a, a lore bard, is well well versed in the history of of Candlekeep, and, and he relays all of this to you, Hannah, at the table as you all eat your your uh, your fowl and mead, and and have a, a nice time uh, at the at the hearth. So, there's exaltation for you, Hannah. Of course, if you're if you're in a rush to get there this evening, you can try it out. I mean, what do you, do you guys want to go? I'm not going to break off from the group. I can join her. Yeah, I can be convinced. You guys don't want to see the cool rooms that are like changing into different. Like, come on, sounds great. It'll be a nice little uh, um, excursion before we uh, hit the sack. Maybe there'll be a beach one with like my ties and stuff. Mm. All right, so um, uh, if you guys want to go, uh, you can head over there um, from the hurt. Is that what I gather you guys want to do? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, you guys uh, collect yourself, finish your meal. It's now, um, it, it's it's early evening now. It, it's dark out. It's been dark for maybe an hour or two at this point. As, as you get out, the, the streets of Candlekeep are, are 
this isn't a night town. That's what you gather. The streets are already empty. It's it's quiet. Uh, seems like a peaceful little neighborhood. Um, uh, as you guys walk through the MC streets and wind your way towards uh, the, the the largest tower, uh, 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 sort of protruding out of this collection of buildings, um, uh, you get to a, a a winding pathway that leads to to an entrance. Uh, really, the only entrance to this fortress building. And uh, on either side of this uh, doorway, uh, two guards stand. Uh, at attention, both uh, holding spears. Uh, the door is closed, in fact, and, and they say, Halt, Seekers. What's your business at Exaltation at this hour? What was the person's name? Is it in the in the list of people or no? Probably not. Yes, you're looking for El Eromir. Eromir, okay. Yes, we've, we've come to see Eromir. We have uh, important business with Eromir. One guard gives the other guard a sideways glance and, and then turns back to you and says, It's a little late. I'm not sure she's in at this hour. The other one sort of chimes in and says, Oh, she's in. She works late. Always. Oh, uh, of course, but I mean, are we allowed to let visitors in at this hour? If, if she's in, have one of you guys uh, just go ask her. And she, she's waiting for us. Stay outside. Stay outside. I think. Uh, okay. She knows we're coming. She asked Hannah to come, right? So one of the I asked the guards, "Hey, just go ask no. Elmir." And she's never heard of me. Oh, never. Never mind. Oh, but it's one. As you asked the guard uh, to go inside, because clearly you've misunderstood the scenario. Make a persuasion check. <laughs> I thought you were someone at the table told you to go there, and that was Ezelmir. Yeah, right. No, it was the uh, a, who's I guess I'll make the persuasion check. This is, this is my wait. Uh, as you suggest, he goes in to see if she's in. Uh, oh, yeah. The guard, the guard, uh, gives a quick nod. Uh, I can see if she's in. Sure, there's nothing else going on around here. You got, you have the post. And he turns to the other guard, and the other guard nods, and, and he, he, he goes and rushes inside, and it's it's several minutes uh, of waiting awkwardly, and the guard sort of just... So, locking candle, Kate. It's been nice. Queen's it's very quiet. quiet. Yeah. Nice and quiet, just the way us guards like it. Uh, the, the other guard returns, uh, coming out the door. And he says, uh, oh, well, you're, you're in luck, friends. She's in and she's willing to see you. Uh, she's on the jungle floor. Uh, head up the uh, four flights up the side stair. And, and he holds the door open for you. As you enter, uh, uh, the main entranceway of this building, uh, of this tower, essentially, is a large room. Probably, yeah, 15 by 20 feet. And the, and, and the, the walls are lined with, with books. Uh, from floor to ceiling and the ceiling's like 15 feet tall long tall ladders are stacked up against this thing and it's just rows and rows of tables uh, neatly placed rank and file with chairs uh, 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 towards the other end of the room you can see um, a small desk with a little gnome woman sort of scrawling with a, uh, a quill on a piece of parchment uh, with, with her glasses sort of hanging off the end of her nose. And to your right, you see that uh, a sign over a spiral staircase that leads up into the stone structure uh, says to, to, to higher floors, or, or rather to the habitat rooms. 
Alright, I'm gonna go try and find that jungle room. Alright, as you uh, head up the spiral staircase, you, you head up uh, four flights of stairs uh, until you, you get to a, a landing that just says jungle in simple uh, letters on a, on a plate plastered to the, to the stone. And as you enter, you can see immediately you enter, you feel this hot, muggy, uh, uh, humid environment. Just very strange as you pass through the, the, the door frame, essentially, the, the passageway. It's like it just hits you. Uh, outside in the stairwell, totally cool, nice coastal air. You enter this room, you feel hot, muggy, jungle air. And, and, and you can see the the whole area is... is just jungle environment it's you see ferns and and, and pal, or uh, not palms uh jungle flora and fauna all over the place thick and green uh it's you just it seems like you've walked into a jungle all right well, do i see anybody any people in the room do i see my person yeah. i'm looking for go, go ahead and make a uh you can do perception or investigation um if you want to try and, and uh, it, this is thick foliage, right? You, there's, you can't see five feet. I'm crushing it right now. Yes, with that perception check, uh, through the foliage, uh, you do hear the sound of uh, uh, hammering. You can hear the sound of a hammer hitting against metal. And it, it appears to be off to the left, uh, uh, ahead and, and slightly left from where you're standing, um, as these uh, uh, this thick you know, this thick jungle foliage is, is sort of sprawled out before you. Yeah, I'm just gonna kind of, like, push my way through it and go towards the, the hacking. Right. Or the pounding. Hannah, Hannah enters into the thick foliage of this room and, and begins making her way towards the sounds. What are the rest of you doing? I'm following Hannah. She's taking the lead on yeah. uh, this is excursion. I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> to make sure that it, you know, it doesn't get, you know, thrown in jail or something. I don't know, for <laughs> being places we're not supposed to be by themselves. So, uh, As you guys make your way through the foliage, it, it's really difficult to move, and it's getting hot. You're all beginning to sweat through your armor as the ferns sort of brush at your face, and it's, it's, it's very uh, uh, soft earth uh, tripping over sticks and stones that are actually in there. This is actually a very accurate replica of what a jungle would be like uh, in, in a natural environment, or at least you assume if, if any of you have ever been to a jungle or not. Um, uh, as you make your way through, uh, you all hear a rustling through in the foliage to your right. Um, ceases. I'm going to call out to... Erlmir. Erlmir is the name you were given. Um, as you call okay. out to Erlmir, uh, the rustling to your right, again, uh, seems to be getting closer through through the foliage. No response to the action of the, the sound of pounding metal. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep pushing through it, and I'm gonna keep calling her name. All right, as you guys uh, begin forging your way through this jungle environment, uh, uh, the the sound of pounding metal grows closer and and closer. Um, yeah, it rather grows louder and louder as you get closer and closer to the sound of pounding metal. Uh, However, the rustling behind you and, and, and to your right is getting closer as well as, as you can hear the foliage being disturbed. Hmm. 
How high is the foliage? Is there like a like a canopy area, or are we just completely surrounded by uh, foliage? Yeah, so you're all completely surrounded by jungle foliage, and there's okay. a canopy above you. Um, uh, there there are trees uh, uh, mm -hmm. in this in this jungle environment, and so uh, from what you perceive, the canopy above you is about 15 feet up. I'm gonna do if there's that wrestling behind us. I'm gonna do a. Uh, Mingle with the wind, and then levitate up to a position where I can maybe get a bird's eye view of maybe what that wrestling is. Sure. So I can kind of jump up and maybe get some extra sight. Okay, uh, you use mingle with the, the air around you begins to swirl. The hot air of the jungle swirls around you and, 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 and sort of lifts you up underneath your feet, and you levitate upward uh, using the air. And um, uh, go ahead and make a... Perception check with advantage. Okay. Two really bad rules. <laughs> <laughs> looking, looking down, looking down from the canopy as you're, you're floating amongst the branches and the trees of this jungle environment, uh, you do see, in fact, uh, the the foliage being disturbed as, as something is moving along through, and you can see the disturbed foliage moving closer and closer to uh, uh, who's in the back. I, I think uh, I think a cordon would be in the back of this this, um, and it looks like this this thing is about to to. Uh, Come right upon Corden. Corden, I'll have you go ahead and make a dexterity saving throw. Mm. Not my strength. All right, here we go. Mm. You feel a cold, hard hand grasp around the back of your neck as you're yanked backward, and uh, uh, we'll go ahead and make a uh, attempt to grapple. Uh, go ahead and make a, a strength check. Okay. Uh. Not good. Yeah, that's worst case scenario for you. It did, I did, yeah, did I see him get yanked back in the, uh, the foliage or whatever? Yes, yes, emerging from the foliage out into the, to the, uh, area you guys are sort of, uh, uh hacking your way through, uh, you see a cold, hard hand lash out from the foliage and grab back of Corden's neck. He is grappled as he's yanked backwards, and you can see a figure, uh, emerge from the foliage, uh, humanoid in shape, but actually looks to be, uh, totally inorganic this thing is looks to appears to be made, made of metal and wood and it has human-like features on its face but it is uh yeah like like totally metal with with two glowing eyes sort of in the sockets where eyes would be on a, on a human and it grabs uh a cord by the back of the neck and holds him in and it's the strength of this thing is actually uh practically lifting him up off his feet even in his in his plate armor and uh, uh, the voice of this thing, this creature, as it comes out of the foliage, says, Target acquired. Sensors work perfectly in jungle environment. Uh, uh, in front of you, uh, off to uh, Hannah's uh, left, uh, you can hear a voice of a woman say, Well done, MK-12. That's, that's very good. It's good to see the sensors are working in the human environment. Go ahead and bring our friends over. And uh, uh, MK12 now, as you know him, sort of uh, carries Corden by the back of the neck like some sort of cat or something. It's a very large. This this thing's probably six foot four, uh, very much taller than than uh, Corden, and, and uh, <laughs> carries him for a way until until he, he finally lets you down. As you guys uh, leave the jungle foliage and enter a, a, an open area, which looks to be like a uh, a workshop that that sort of just has been built on like the edge of some sort of jungle. 
in this in this room and, and you can see now that you've reached the corner of what this room is and you can see the stone of the of the structure uh, of the fortress that you guys are inside of it's very strange to see like the stone structure of a of a of a keep but then inside is just this dense dense jungle environment um behind you guys the the thing known as mk12 stands motionless uh um, little mechanical things inside of it whirring and buzzing and, and you see a a uh, looks like a a female wood elf who has cropped wavy auburn hair and green eyes and uh, um, uh, she has a, a a joyful smile although she looks a little bit tired as it's late into the evening and a, and a regular build about well she's actually uh, tall I think for for a wood elf a little bit taller than normal and has a has a soft voice and she says, hello, hello, welcome to my workshop. What what brings you here um, into my, my, my workplace? How can I help you? So I'm going to start off by saying that it's not often that I see other wood elves. And uh, it's nice. And uh, I'm here because I have heard you may have some interest in um, gems. Oh, very much so. You see, the cranial cortex of MK12 here requires gems for me to complete the Noda uh, calculations within within his own thought logic processors. Um, yes, I, I need gems. <laughs> very much so. What kind of gems do you have, by any chance? I happen to have... What do we have? I have Azurite. I have Moonstone. I have Ruby. One Ruby. And that appears to be about it. I've yet to experiment with Moonstone, although I know Azerite and Ruby work just fine uh, within the node processors. Um, I'd very much like to purchase these from you. Of course, uh, it's not my money. It, it'll be the Avowed's, the Avowed's money. <laughs> they, they fund this little project I'm working on. You can see MK12 here. I see you've met him already. He's a, uh, he's a freaky machine you got there. Not uh, a little bit scary. I'm gonna say, oh, you're telling me. Don't be frightened. It's it's okay. He, I've been tasked by the avowed to potentially construct a law enforcement and and protect protectors of the city essentially uh, in case of invasions and and uh, also to to enforce the law here within the city. You see, uh, uh, many monks in Candlekeep are are kept on guard duty and 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 upkeeping the defenses when they could be working within the library protecting and refurbishing the the knowledge stored within um, if i can create a machine capable of of protecting the city from invasion uh, then then they're willing to mass produce uh, mk12 here um yes but unfortunately i've yet to find the gems to to put inside of his little head there uh to make his his logic processors work at full capacity are the avowed something I'm familiar with? That sounds like something new. Uh, the the avowed are the monks, the monks of Candlekeep. So these are the guys okay. that you met at the at the gate when you're entering. So any any okay, old, gotcha. purple robed individual who who manages the um, the uh, the library or the various other uh, um, functions within this city, they are the avowed. They live in Candlekeep. Their their lives are dedicated to. Uh, maintaining the knowledge and, and, and the books that they acquire. All right. Well, you know, name name the price, and uh, I don't think you have much competition, so whatever you'll pay for those, I'll, uh, I'll take. 
Sure, and, and she thinks about it a moment. I could give you 250 gold pieces for the lot of them. Alright, done deal. And, uh, 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 the wood elf sort of goes over to a, to a work desk, uh, opens a drawer, and inside pulls out a pouch. She begins, uh, uh, counting out coins, and then, uh, handing them over to you. There you are, I'll take the gemstones, please. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, and so, uh, she... The exchange is made. She takes the gemstones and she places them on her work table. Um, and, and she says, MK12, please, if you could uh, uh, enter your workstation. And MK moves uh, um, in, a, in a mechanical fashion, uh, walking uh, almost straight forward to this sort of platform that he stands on. And on this platform, you can see our, our, our various uh, crude copper wires sort of uh, protruding from this frame-like structure that he would stand inside and these copper wires are sort of uh, being fed out into uh, uh, various uh, strange like clockwork small machines on various work tables all around him um, and uh, uh, Errol Mir sort of turns to you all and, and says well you look like capable individuals actually um, um, maybe you can help me out uh, with something you see uh, MK12 here is untested. I, I believe he's just about ready if I could just get this uh, crystal node alignment within his within his uh, cranium uh, right. Uh, he'd be ready to be, to be tested. Um, perhaps perhaps you could help me with this. Uh, tested how? Well, one, we have to see if he can survive any sort of violent confrontation. His operation as a soldier, it's necessary for him to, to see if he can he can survive any kind of conflict. Um, uh, the secondary uh, thing that we'll need to test is his logic processors. Is he able to uphold the law justly and correctly uh, as a law enforcer? You know, we can't have a, a marauding machine running around the city, right? <laughs> um, but... Uh, with these crystals you've given me, and as she opens up the side of MK12's head, she begins uh, uh, replacing the the gems with with what she already has in there, and uh, uh, fiddling with her tools on it. Um, and, and she says, uh, "You seem like the adventurous type. Am I wrong in that assumption?" Wouldn't be. That's what I thought. You have the look of it. Um, are you planning on any adventures in the near future, venturing outside of the city, or will you be in the library the entire time here? We have uh, several manners that we're attending to while we're here, so it, I it wouldn't uh, I don't mind adding another uh, venture for uh, Candlekeep. Well, if you were to help me out, I'd pay you an additional two hundred and fifty gold pieces. Um, if you're venturing outside of the city, I'd ask you to take MK12 with you. And besides, couldn't perform any more work with him anyways due to the, uh, well, my machines require maintenance. It's, it's been incredibly difficult, uh, considering that uh, my hands are a little bit too big. It's, it's a lot of fine work, you know, clockwork, tiny, tiny cogs and modules and things. So it'll take me time. We do have an, uh, um, a... A job with the the order of the was of the golden lions and searching for some missing paladins and uh, if you don't mind we could definitely use the help with with the golem it would be a perfect test for finding some missing soldiers of Candlekeep. Oh, you're talking about the paladins of Pelor. Oh yeah, Pelor. Yeah. They oftentimes go into the woods in search of those bandits. That's a perfect test to test the at least the physical attributes of this machine. 
Uh, MK12, how do you feel about that as she steps away? Uh, and MK12 sort of looks at her and says, Acceptable. And then looks away. I'm still working on the personality processors. Um, as uh, uh, Oliver, Oliver Buckleby riding on Hannah's shoulders sort of is looking at in awe at all of this. He's never seen anything like this. But at the same time, he says um, uh, to, uh, to Errol Mir, Errol Mir, um, you remind me of, of my creator. That's that's interesting. I, I'd very much like to see more of your machinery. Do you mind if I take a closer look? And... Uh, yeah, Aromir nods gladly. Oliver hops off of Hannah's shoulder and, and scurries across the table to the to the uh, the various machines that he has, and, and he sort of peers inside at the clockwork of these things that sort of plug into where uh, essentially a charging station, if you will, for for MK12. And he says, "Oh wow, this is this is fascinating. Could you tell me more of this?" And, and she says, "Well, yes, but it would take some time. Do you mind staying with me for a while?" And and uh, Oliver says, well, "Gladly." Um, friends, I'll, I'll be here if you need me. Uh, I'd like to learn more about this. Um, and so Errol Mir and, and Oliver both at the work table begin going over her various uh, machines and, and mechanical practices that she does here. Very good. Very good. That's cool. Uh, so you guys are there. Um, you, you, uh, is there anything else you want to ask? Do you know? Um, I guess I want to ask, so this is the jungle floor, um, there's, she mentioned there was, like, libraries of information and stuff, so I was, I would ask, like, when would that be available to someone like us, something, like, in the morning, or? Oh, yes, yes, of course, the normal operating hours of, of this particular library are, or during the day, sunrise to sunset, um, uh, but that would be down on the main floor where you enter, there's a stairway going down uh, to the basement mm. levels, and that's where all of the, the knowledge concerning warfare and, and research of that sort are kept. Okay. What about um, arcane? any arcane magic? You mentioned warfare and other things, but or is there a certain building where, uh, I guess, uh, arcane people? <laughs> uh, if I were you, I would check near the necessarium. Uh, that's in the Court of Air, near the main entrance. Across mm. from the, the House of Rest, actually. Yeah. A lot of good information there, although uh, uh, I'm oftentimes over in the Necessarium, getting the research required to, to improve MK12 here. Take a look at that when we have more time. Oliver at, at the work table uh, with, with Erlmir, uh, they begin discussing an in-depth... Uh, uh, discussion about how the the similarities between transmutation which which oliver is is sort of familiar with through um his his upbringing uh in the sewer where he lived and and, and the woman that raised him uh you know the 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 similarities similarities between transmutation and enchantment magic which is what they're both um you know getting a little bit out of your guys's depth perhaps uh if anyone wants to try and understand what they're saying make an intelligence check if not you guys can leave and and uh do what sure, you're gonna I'll do. give a stab at it. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe we lose Oliver. Wouldn't, wouldn't be the worst thing ever. <laughs> well, it's the, their golem, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Kabul, as you're listening, you, you kind of pick up that, that they're, they're discussing, uh, 
the manipulation of mental energy as far as enchantment goes uh, is enchantment magic is sort of the the effect uh, on the mind uh, as far as controlling it and and um, uh, Erlmir talks about how the the mind of MK12 is it relies heavily on enchantment magic as as the crystal nodes inside connect together to create a cohesive mind. The the enchantment uh, allows the flowing of the thoughts and the the processors between the crystal nodes to to create logical uh, uh, formulations. Uh, of course, uh, Oliver, uh, who who's familiar with transmutation magic, says, "Well, altering the crystals in such a way using transmutation could in, in fact increase the." the uh, probability that the successful uh, 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 transmission of logic from one crystal to another would, would work. And so they, they continue going deeper into this. Um, okay. I could keep going with it if you yeah, yeah. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. They, they're, they're totally into it. I get it. Uh, uh, Errol Mirror sort of turns to you guys one, one, one last thing, and, and she says, well, um, whenever you're ready to leave the city, if you want to take MK12 with you to test him, um, that would be fantastic, and I would love to, to pay you handsomely for it and, and receive a full report in return on his performance. So feel free to come back here. I'll, I'm, I'm working here, predominantly here, uh, improving his sensors currently. So um, return here when you're ready. All right, Sounds you and Oliver, you, you see if that transmutation is going to make him any more any more smart, and then, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll be yeah, back. We'll check back on Oliver on later. Ha- have fun, Oliver. <laughs> Oliver joyfully waves at you guys as uh, uh, he turns and begins playing with the the little mechanical devices um, on the table. Yeah, I think I'm ready for bed. Thought I was about to die. All right. Um, so, what, what are you guys doing? You guys are gonna going going back to the bunkhouse. Gonna be fresh for the the meeting tomorrow, and then uh, then maybe an excursion. I don't know. All right, as you guys uh, make your way back through the jungle foliage of this room, you, you make your way to the stairwell, and crossing through the doorway, it's it's this uh, almost like comparatively dry, cool air uh, of, of the coastal coastal city, and, and you guys are relieved to be out of that hot, muggy situation. Um, you guys make your way out of exaltation, back to the court of air, to the house of rest, and, and, and you all uh, rest for the evening. Are there any activities you'd like to do while you rest for the next eight hours? take a look at my inventory. I don't think I do. Deciding to call in a night, you head back to the House of Rest after the first day of your 10-day stay in Candlekeep. Um, you all rest your heads. Uh, nothing anyone wants to do. No actions to take. No studying, performing anything. No, I think I think the meeting with the dude is, isn't, you know, plans enough. Cool. So uh, you all rest for the evening, awake uh, at, at first light. Um, Ballister had informed you that, that he would meet you in the morning uh, of, of the second day. And, and you all emerge from the House of Rest well-rested and having a simple meal that they serve, a sort of uh, a medieval continental breakfast, if you will. Uh, basically a gray slop kind of porridge-looking thing, but doesn't really have any flavor. Um, um, that's just the free meal they offer you guys there. So uh, as you merge it, emerge into the court of air leaving the the uh, house of rest uh you guys wait outside and you see Falister fisk saunter over uh looking refreshed from his journey and at ease in his home city he approaches you guys and says uh i hope you found the lodging of candle keep suitable to your tastes uh, the avowed aren't prone to materialism so luxuries are hard to come by around here but i suppose anything beats Baldur's gate in its current state of affairs right 
Well, anyway. Yeah, fuck Baldur's Gate. <laughs> well, that's pretty much where I work all the time. I'm probably going to head back there pretty soon. A lot going on. I got to keep Sylvira informed, right? Well, anyways, um, Sylvira is ready to meet you. Keep in mind, her time is valuable. She is a great asset to the avowed here. And uh, there are many responsibilities on her plate. So, follow me. All right, so you guys make your way. He, he sort of takes a winding path through the, the packed streets of, of Candlekeep through these uh, towering buildings. And, and he actually takes you guys to the main keep where the main library is. Um, and, and as you guys cross this uh, large um, stone pathway leading into this grand entrance of this large keep that sort of towers up, uh, it's a massive building. Uh, you guys enter. All right, a new entry should have been added to your journal uh, titled The Great Library. As you guys enter this, this massive building, um, Ballister sort of explains to you The Great Library and what it's all about. Um, a seeker is not permitted to walk among the tomes of the great library or remove books from their shelves at their leisure. Instead, seekers must request books from a number of the avowed known as an escort monk. An escort monk is assigned to a seeker upon entering the library, though a disproportionate number of monks tend to gravitate towards the reading rooms of potentially troublesome seekers. On rare occasions, the escort monk must retrieve an original book for a seeker, dutifully keeping it within sight until it is time to return it to its proper location. When requesting a book, a seeker must be specific. By default, the monks retrieve more general and basic texts, slowly working their way to a narrower subjects as the seeker fine-tunes their requests. No more than three, or, in exceptional cases, four books may be requested at a time. With a seeker's visit limited to just ten days, the depth of the knowledge they gain depends on the knowledge with which they arrive. Anyways, Falister explains to you the basic rules of how the library functions, and uh, he seems to be able to move freely through it. Uh, none of the monks give him trouble, and, and seeing you with him, um, they sort of uh, uh, don't give you guys any trouble. And, and he takes you uh, off to the right as you enter the building towards a, a stairwell, um, that uh, a winding staircase that leads up further into the structure of the building. Uh, as he walks with you guys through the, the library, uh, uh, Ballister says to you, uh, Sylvira has an entire spire of the main keep all to herself. Of course, most of the space is dedicated to her research of the nine hells and infernal creatures. Um, I think as of now, she has a research staff of 25 or so. And you guys continue walking uh, towards this uh, staircase. And he says, oh, uh, uh, follow that hallway and, and you'll find the, uh, the, the main librarian who can direct you if you're looking for more information. Um, it may be difficult to wrap your mind around the vast wealth of knowledge that exists within these walls. Let me put it this way. Any question our feeble minds can conceive of can be most definitely answered here. You would be wise to seek information before your time here is concluded. Well, we're almost there, uh, just up these winding stairs. Do you have any questions, concerns, before we go and speak to Sylvira? Negative. No, no, no I got nothing. All right, keep it simple. I like it. Uh, Sylvira is a sage of great wisdom here, so please do not waste her time. Ballister um, uh, uh, takes you up this winding staircase, and you go up uh, multiple flights until you get to the, the main doorway leading to Sylvira's room. He opens the door, and you guys enter uh, a large chamber. The walls of this circular tower chamber are punctuated by arched windows that are currently shuttered. 
Bookcases filled with eldritch volumes stand between the windows, while tables are crowded with specimen jars, alchemical equipment, and other clutter. Uh, engraved into the floor of the chamber is a large nine-pointed star. A middle-aged tiefling dressed in wizardly robes stands by one of the windows, caught in a fugue of intense contemplation. Perched on the corner of a table nearby is a spindly little demon with warty green skin, buggy eyes, thin black horns, and a whip-like tail. And 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 then uh, uh, Silvira sort of turns towards you and smiles and says, "I can't tell you how pleased I am to see you. What have you brought me, Falister?" Falister says, uh, uh, "Yes, ma'am. They, these are the adventurers I told you about from Baldur's Gate. Um, they have at this point killed many uh, murder cultists and devil worshippers." Um, Silvira sort of laughs. <laughs> Well, uh, it's good to have you, friends. Um, thank you for joining me today. It's good to be here. Yeah, yes, of course. Uh, uh, Falister informs me that you came across a, a peculiar puzzle box, I think. And what did you say? The possession of... Uh, oh, oh, yes, yes, in possession of the... Uh, 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 the Banthamper family, I think, had this puzzle box. Do you guys still have that, right? Yeah, uh, I think either... Uh, be, uh, Corden might be holding it. I don't, yeah, one of us is holding the the puzzle box. Hmm. Sure, I can hold you. All right. Do you do you mind if I see the puzzle box real quick? No problem. Here you go. All right. He hands it over. Um, uh, as she examines it, uh, it's it's uh, this sort of metallic cube, and and uh, in the in the sides of this small box is are like maze-like engravings that sort of weave around it. And uh, as she's looking, um, uh, she sort of talks to you as she's examining the puzzle. I've been suspicious of the High Overseer of Elturel for a long time, uh, but no one wanted to hear my concerns because Thavius Krieg was widely regarded as a hero who saved his city from an undead scourge, giving rise to the holy nation of Eltergard. Hailed as a savior, Thavius made all citizens of Elturel swear an oath called the Creed Resolute, which binds them to defend the nation of Eltergard. I met him years ago, and my instincts told me he was a charlatan. Afterward, I grew to suspect that he had cut a deal with one of the more powerful devils, using the Creed Resolute to bind all Elturel to his dark deal. I wish to prove my theory, and I believe the evidence is locked inside of this puzzle box. Uh, you said the, the Bantham first couldn't unlock it, huh? This is this is a simple one, actually. And um, uh, uh, Silvira sort of moves to a table and, and picks up a small vial full of black liquid, and she takes a single drop of it and pours it into one of the uh, maze-like crevices on the surface of this puzzle box, and she begins sort of uh, shifting it and, and guiding the drop of liquid through the maze of this, this, uh, this puzzle, uh, almost like a child's toy of some kind. And eventually the box opens... And um, out of the box falls uh, several, actually, uh, plates of metal that are sort of linked together, almost like parchment, uh, but they're like small plates sort of tied together with thread, and they all sort of fall onto the table. Um, oh, very interesting, Silvira says. Um, she picks it up and uh, examines uh, uh, the writing on there. Uh, does anyone speak Infernal? Let me. Yeah, I don't think so. No. Nope. Negative. 
So Vera sort of smiles and says, well, <laughs> not many do. It's probably a good thing. You'd get in some into some trouble speaking that around the wrong people. Uh, let's see here. She looks at these uh, uh, strange uh, language carved into these metal plates that have fallen out of the puzzle box and begins reading aloud. Be it known that I, Thavius Krieg, High Overseer of El Terrell, have sworn to my master, Zariel, Lord of Avernus, to keep the arrangements contained in this oath. I hereby submit to Zariel in all matters and for all time. I will place her above all creatures, living and dead. I will obey her all my days and beyond with fear and ser servility. I recognize the dispensation of the device called the Solar Insidi Insidiator, hereafter called the Companion. In my capacity as High Overseer of Elturel and its vassal territories, I acknowledge that all lands falling under the light of the Companion are forfeit to Zariel. All persons bound by oath to defend Elturel are also considered forfeit. I further recognize that this dispensation with, will last 50 years, after which the Companion will return once it came, taking Elturel and its oath-bound defenders with it, if that is Zariel's wish. All this is my everlasting pledge. And Sylvira sort of has a stunned look on her face as she puts the, the, the metal plates down. It appears this is the some sort of um, soul contract that, that Thavius Creed had made with, with Zariel in, in the Nine Hells. And for the moment, Sylvira looks a little bit stunned and silent. What are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking that um, this is definitely the proof I required. I had no idea the extent uh, of Fabius Creed's involvement in this. This is definitely unsettling, to say the least. Um, you all thwarted perhaps a secondary attempt in Baldur's Gate to do something similar. Hmm. I'll have to think on this. And as Sylvira uh, uh, thinks, her, her eyes sort of wander uh, uh, to, to Corden and the shield you have on your person. And uh, uh, she says, Oh my, where did you get that? Uh, we found it when we were liberating the Vantum Pervilla. His shield protected us against a massive inferno that they summoned out of nowhere. Yeah, it's able to summon fireballs. And it speaks to me, I'm a little... I'm not entirely sure about its intentions. One of the things it says are unsettling. I'm shocked the shield helped you. <laughs> uh, that is a that is an item of great evil that you are holding. Mm. And and Corden, in your mind, uh, uh, you hear the voice that you've been hearing from the shield, and it whispers to you, Sheila. Uh, Corden, go ahead and make a wisdom saving throw. Okay. Well, it's better than my last saving throw. Oh my god. I'm paying for all those crits last game. Uh, uh, Brad, I'm gonna leave it up to you how you want to roleplay this, but but that's that's a critical failure. You're you're not sure what to think, <laughs> Brad, but that's your call on how you want to play. <sighs> Okay, well, um, I mean, yeah, I'm just gonna, uh, just gonna tell her that, uh, why would a shield that's been helping us be so evil? 
Gordon, this, this shield is a symbol of good's triumph over evil. Gazing at such beauty, one can easily overlook the terrible force bound within it. Gargoth is its name. Uh, um, though, I, I, if I recall, it, it calls itself the Hidden Lord. It was, a, it was a pit fiend sent by Asmodeus to corrupt mortals on the material plane, and there it amassed such a following as to rival that of gods. In that way, Gargoth became a sort of demigod, and have worshippers, and having worshippers increasing its power exponentially. My, how the mighty have fallen. This shield has the power to corrupt everything around it. The Hewn family of Baldur's Gate has kept it for years now. Doubtless, they will it back. I'm not sure how the Vanthamperts got a hold of it, but... This shield should not be taken to any place where thousands of mortals reside. It needs to be locked away in an extra-dimensional space of some kind, away from corruptible souls. Um, as she says this, uh, a dark and terrible energy emits from the shield in the direction of, of uh, Sylvira. And she makes a wisdom saving throw. Uh, she fails, and uh, she looks in horror at the, the eyes of the, of the face on the on this shield, and and begins to back away, horrified in in, in pure terror of it. Uh, Corden will have you make a second wisdom saving throw. All right. Goddamn. Hey, little pepper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you you hear the voice inside. Uh, uh, coming from the shield in your head. Uh, she lies. And then a dark, terrible, bellowing laughter. <laughs> you fool, Severa. Uh, uh, this is all in your head, Corden. He says, so be it. I am Gargoth, Corden. I can help you if you wish to go to the Nine Hells. If you intend to go to the Nine Hells, I can serve as a guide to you. Help you stay safe there. It is a very, very dangerous place. And I am willing. I am willing to help you. Mm, I don't know. Can I the help you're offering? Can I talk to it? I mean, am I able to interact with it? So, with, within your mind, this is like telepathy. You're able yeah. to think. You're able to okay. think in your head. This is all happening within you. No one else is hearing this. Uh, everyone else, you're just witnessing Sylvira have this, like, super negative, terrified reaction to the shield. Hmm. Uh, can I also tell my companions that, um, like, what's going on in my head? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll go ahead and tell them, um, the, spiel, the, sh the shield is speaking to me, guys. Um, Again? To, the shield is always talking to you, man. Help us <laughs> go to hell. The, the, the voice says, Corden, they'll never understand you. They'll never understand the relationship we have. They are fools. I mean, do we really have much of a relationship? I just kind of found you like a couple days ago. We have, we have brothers in combat, Corden. Nah, I mean, I still have another shield. You know, like, yeah, the fireballs are great and everything, but, you know. I don't really want to sacrifice my soul for casting a fireball every couple days. We gotta figure out how to destroy the shield, or at least do something. Sylvira so, so sort of uh, recovers from her brief bout of terror and, and sort of leans over her, her work table and, and takes a breath and then 
and then looks and says, this, this thing is dangerous, Corden, even if you were to keep it on your person, eventually even you, uh, a, a, a right good paladin, would be corrupted by it. No one can withstand it for long. I would recommend you keep it here with me and I can find a place for it outside of this plane, outside of the material plane. I yes, I have the power to do that. Yes, <laughs> I'm an arch, I'm an archmage, Corden. I have a lot of powers you don't even know how to understand. All right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, let's get rid of this thing, man. I'm a, I'm a lawful good pilot. We can't be having this, this uh, object of evil. We're just gonna use it to uh, survive. Same yeah. as one time, yeah. but, uh, you know. <laughs> nah, yeah. That kind of power would be corrupting, I feel like, so... It's good while it lasted. Uh, Silvira so says to you, uh, Corden, I, I don't wish to touch it. If, if you could place the shield on my table here, uh, I'll, I'll find a way to, to place it in a space where it can no longer corrupt. Alright. So I'll go ahead and do that. And, and as you, you place the shield on the table one final time, the voice in your head says, Corden, Corden. Take me to the Nine Hells, and I swear to serve you faithfully as both guide and advisor. Do not miss this chance, Corden. This chance for power. No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't believe him. I don't believe he wouldn't betray us at some point. And then finally, as, as your hand is, is just leaving to, like, leave it on the table, you hear the beginnings of a guttural roar emanating from this voice uh, that has been talking to you. And as you let go, the silence in your mind returns. And uh, this, the, the shield sits there menacingly. And as all, you, as all of you gaze on it, we'll have you all just make one more. Everyone in the room is going to make one more uh, wisdom saving throw. Okay. Oh, no. Speaking to me. Get rid of this thing, man. I think I can carry a shield as a bard. Anyone can carry a shield, but like the advantages of doing so is. But if it's speaking to me, you know, I make me restrain you. All right, Hannah. As as the shield, uh, uh, Corden releases the shield on the table. You hear a voice in your head now, Hannah. Hannah Arona. I know your name. Take me with you. You couldn't possibly survive alone in hell. If you're to go to Avernus, take me and I will serve you faithfully. Guys, I'm, I'm liking the shield. No. I'm really liking it. You're definitely not. <laughs> Silvira gives a sideways glance to, to Hannah. I'm, I'm gonna slowly make my way towards it with like my arms outreached, like I'm like being mesmerized and like drawn in. Alright. Well, I'm just gonna stand in between you and the shield then. I will assist in restraining Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. Hannah goes to grab the shield. Uh, okay, this is gonna be a contest of strength. Who, who is it? It's gonna be Corden and Hannah? Sure. Alright, go ahead and make a. Both uh, of you make a strength check as Hannah goes to grab the shield. Oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moving quickly, uh, a ducks. Uh, she dodges, and this is sort of a. Um, uh, Corden grabs a hold of her, but she slips out, being a, a, a wily bard, and, and, and gets it, gets her hands on the shield, and uh, um, 
<laughs> she looks into the eyes of the face on the face of the shield. Uh, Hannah, how do you want to interact with this? We'll, we'll let you. Uh, <laughs> being enticed by the, the the proposal of the of the Gargoth that lives within the shield. I think I'm just gonna put my arm through like the straps on the back and like you know I'm gonna put my rapier away so I'm gonna keep my scimitar out and then have the have the shield. I'm gonna go straight for like like wearing it like it's you know. Hannah wears the shield and and the voice is in your head. Hannah is encouraging. Yes, Hannah, you do have this strength. You're more powerful than all of them. They are weaklings compared to you and I together, Hannah. Uh, 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 <laughs> at this point, it becomes a uh, a standoff, I think, with Miss Hannah is sort of uh, backing to the corner of the room. Corden, Cobble, and Silvira all reaching out. Um, uh, Silvira says to you, Hannah, you, you don't know what you're doing, Hannah. This thing will destroy you eventually. It will destroy you. Um, I only get leather armor, okay? Uh, the shield <laughs> is the only thing that can protect me. He's lying to you. The, the shield in your mind, Hannah, says, Sophira is weak, Hannah. Use me. Use me on her now, Hannah. Destroy her. I can't, I can't. I'm not, I'm not a... Let me see, Sylvira, the shield, it wants me to fireball you. I'm not gonna... If you don't back up, I'm gonna fireball you. <laughs> uh, 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 Sylvira takes a step back and says, Okay, okay, let's just put the shield down, Hannah. And we can all forget this happened. It's got you. Uh, make, make, uh, Hannah now will make a wisdom saving throw. See if you can break free of the right. Now it's your turn. Yeah. Hannah breaks free of the wizard of, okay. <laughs> of the shield. Uh, uh, you, you're no longer. I'll, th I'll throw it down. Okay, you're no longer compelled to hold it and possess it. Uh, uh, you you place it down on the floor, and and everyone stands around this shield now, looking at it, lying there menacingly. Silvira uh, gives you a, a nod of respect, Hannah, and says there are scores of weaker men and women who would not have been able to do that. I'm glad I didn't have to teleport you to the plane of fire. Um, that's good. That's good. So. Me too. Me too. Let's, let's box this thing up and get it to the other plane. Yeah. Hurry up. Silvira so, so quickly, quickly uh, uh, says, nobody touch it. Nobody touch it. Yes. Okay. Uh, teleportation circle as a ritual. It's going to take time for her to do this. She says, uh, you know what? I'm going to handle this. Just nobody touch it after you're gone. This thing is going away. Um, well, thank you for uh, preventing her from doing any more damage. Well, what plane? I mean, maybe we shouldn't know where you're sending it, but which plane are you going to? It probably shouldn't go to any fire plane because people in the Nine Hells want to have that. I'm going to craft an empty void between the planes. Um, it will take me time to do this, but. The shield will essentially sit within a pocket dimension between all existence that I will craft using my arcane skills. I will then use a teleportation circle to send it to that pocket dimension I created. And it will remain there, hopefully for eternity. Dang. Just, that makes sense, yeah. I just read the description of the shield. You can understand any language. That's crazy. I don't know how I missed that. Um... 
So, the shield sits there. She explains to you what she plans to do with it. Uh, here. Uh, uh, Subira says, well, this, this devil problem that we're having, I, I, I don't think it's over. In fact, I, I don't think... I think they'll try again on Baldur's Gate, and even here, and even every major city on the Sword Coast, I think, is in danger at this point from this threat that has been brought forth by Thabius Krieg and Zariel. She's the the lord, um, the, the duke, I guess you could say, of, of the first layer of hell, the most powerful devil on that layer. And uh, this, this problem won't be solved until she's dealt with. You all have shown considerable strength, each and every one of you, to resist the shield. And in your adventures in Baldur's Gate, I, th- I think currently you are the most suitable to, to perhaps attack this problem in Avernus. I know it's asking a lot, but would you all be willing to travel to the Nine Hells and deal with Zariel and her uh, uh, her her forces of evil? Can we grab this um, robot thing first? Yeah. Let's go try and rescue those paladins. Maybe we could help them. Yeah, Kevin Keep doesn't need to lose forces before they're assaulted by the Nine Hevels. If that's we say a ten really what yes. Yeah, we'll, so yeah, we we're all. Like a couple, couple things we have to do, and then we're, we'll be ready. Yeah. So mm-hmm. here it gives a light chuckle. <laughs> I, I need you to understand something about the, the forces of hell and Asmodeus. Asmodeus is the devil of all devils. You see, hell is is divided into nine layers. And on the ninth layer is Asmodeus. And he is a evil tyrant, uh, uh, hell-bent on ruling all of reality. You see, um, these, these devils have been fighting a war. It's called the Blood War. They fight... You have to understand, it's a common misconception that demons and devils are the same beings. They are not. You see, devils are based predominantly in law, whereas demons are chaos. Demons wish to destroy without reason. Devils wish to rule over all. And there has been a eons-long blood war between devils and demons on the layer of Avernus. I want you to know this before you agree to going, that there is a savage war happening there now between horrifying monsters and these devils. And when that war ends, either the demons come to devour everything or the devils come to conquer. That's the way of things. So you have to understand that devils operate on a much larger time scale than we perceive. So... Baldur's Gate could be dragged down to hell tomorrow, or it could happen in a hundred years. We just don't know. What I'm saying is you have time to think about it. Okay, they, they operate on a much slower time, time scale than this, because they are thinking in terms of eons, whereas we think in terms of days. So, um, think it over, and if you're ready, I have a friend by the name of Traxagor. He's a wizard who owes me a favor off the coast, who has a tower. Um, I can transport you there via Griffins, and uh, he can he can he can uh, set up a teleportation circle for you to to enter the Nine Hills. Um, so come see me when you're ready, if you agree to do such a thing. I mean, I'm in. 
Yeah, sounds good to me. Just uh, give us give us a couple of days to maybe prepare. And, uh, we have eons. It sounds yeah, like eons. That's <laughs> So we're we're good. We're, we'll uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Fantastic. Well, this was a fruitful meeting. <laughs> Thank you so much for the shield. I think you all made the right choice. There's. I missed that plus four armor though. I'm just not gonna lie. I don't know. It would have been kind of cool to keep the shield, but yeah, it's okay. It would have led us to our doom. Um, uh, Ballister sort of uh, jumps in now. He was sort of watching the entire thing in, in from the corner as as a spy does, and uh, uh, he says, "Well, uh, thank you, Sylvia. Um, if there's nothing else, I'll escort them back out." And, and uh, Sylvia says, "Yes, Ballister, thank you so much. This was definitely a fruitful meeting and and great work all around. Um, Ballister will have you go back to Baldur's Gate after this. I, I need you to keep tabs on the the Flaming Fist situation over there." And, and Falister gives a nod, of course. Of course. Um, I, I want to know who's going to win out. Is that going to be Captain Zodge or uh, uh, Liara Porter? I need to find out who's going to win that contest. We need to know who's running the mercenaries over there. And, and Falister gives a nod and says, Well, it's best we should talk about this later. And she says, Of course. Um, Falister says, oh, If you'll follow me, we'll leave Severa to her research. Thank you again. All right. Falister takes you guys out of the main keep. Um, you guys are now, it's, it's now about late morning at this point. Um, you guys are outside of the main keep, the great library in essentially the heart of candle keep. Thanks for listening to sixes out entertainments, descent into Avernus. Be sure to click like, and subscribe and check back every Sunday for more episodes where our heroes grow ever closer to crossing into the nine hells. If you wish to see more content like this, show your support and join the Sixes Out community on Patreon. Link in the description. There, you'll gain access to dungeon delving and dragon slaying pre-generated characters, subclass variants, the Sixes Out Discord server, and the first chapter of the High Moon Wanderers, an adventure module designed for a group of rangers and druids, and much, much more to come. Be sure to follow Sixes Out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for updates on future content at Sixes Out Crits. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. We'll see you next Sunday.